It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Talking City podcast on the eve of one of the biggest Premier League games of the season, Manchester City versus Liverpool at the Etihad on Saturday. I'm joined in our studio by Simon Bukowski to preview the game. Simon, how are you? Are you excited? Yeah, it's going to be good, isn't it? Yeah, are you looking forward to it? I am always looking forward to it. It is It is probably the biggest game of the season these these days, would you say? I think it is, but it, it's also usually one of the most entertaining, isn't it? Like, these two are the best teams in the country and have been, but they've also given us some of the best games that we've seen. It's it sort of, you know, sometimes top teams play each other and they can cancel each other out, whereas these two usually give us a very good games. So we're, we're all set for a nil-nil tomorrow. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I was just going to say, it, it virtually always lives up to the billing. I mean, last season's games were pretty good when, certainly from a City perspective, the ones at the Etihad when Liverpool were a bit all over the place but you think back two years ago the, the pair of two twos in the league that season when they, when they were going tooth and nail for the title race again I mean they were they were phenomenal games of football from an entertainment and a technical yeah 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 and even you know even the um, the 1-0 at Liverpool last season um, had so much in it and was so telling of you know both clubs really and where they were at and where they kind of are and what they Stand for it. It's kind of like the you kind of get sort of a hundred percent like unadulterated raw city and Liverpool. This is them like at their best and at sort of their most naked almost. Absolutely. And, and talking of them being at their best, some good news for for City on the on the training ground on the pictures that we've seen. Uh, Nathan Ake and especially Erling Haaland training. Uh, obviously, Haaland only played once for Norway in the national break, picked up a bit of a knock, but has trained and, and looks like he'll be. He'll be ready to go against Liverpool, which is, is huge news for City, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, sort of the word from Norway at the end of last week was that it, it wasn't going to be too too bad. You never know with Haaland because you don't know kind of quite where his fitness is, is at, but it looks like he'll be fit. Nathan Ake was training and Edison was training. Um, and I think, I think it was Kovacic, Stones and De Bruyne basically were the only three who weren't 
weren't training. So that is sort of a, a lot better than City were looking this time last week. But Haaland is the is the big one. Liverpool, one of the only teams he's not scored against in the in the league. So he will be looking to to put that right tomorrow. Um, and if he's training, you'd expect him to start. You would. I mean, his in a way, his fitness has been a bit of a triumph for City, hasn't it? It's something Guardiola touches on quite a lot. Obviously, they, they sent Mario Profundi with, with Norway to, to look after him. I mean, his last season at Dortmund, he had a lot of kind of niggling injuries, yet since he's come to City, there's only been really the one kind of just substantial absence, you would say. I mean, the, the fact that they've kept him so fit is it is a triumph for them, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, I think... You know, Pep said at some point last season, like you don't understand how much work goes on behind the scenes to um, to keep him fit. I mean, it, it helps that Haaland, you know, dedicates his life to football, and at home he has so many sort of things to help keep him uh, at one hundred percent and recuperate and recover. Um, but also, when he's at City, they they take such good care of him that um, it allows him to to basically play 90 minutes every week because he does like I've been surprised by how much he's actually played um both last season and this season but he he does tend to play um 90 minutes it's not often you know maybe like if they're 4-0 up or something he'll come off after 60 70 but usually he um he plays plays all the all the Premier League minutes so um I think that's what they'll be they aim for tomorrow against Liverpool and and yeah is it, it, I think it's easy to take his fitness for granted how fit he's been but yeah there's a lot of hard work behind the scenes definitely in a way it's become harder to actually rest him this season given that his, his usual replacement is playing just behind yeah. him as well in the team it's they almost need a third striker now don't they to to, yeah. to fill in for him but yes. maybe a discussion for January um in, in terms of other doubts, then you obviously mentioned Stones and De Bruyne are not going to be available. Kovacic, we didn't see training. I mean, we'll come on to the big selection debate shortly, which I think we all agree is probably on the left. But in, in terms of that midfield and defence, I guess, how do you see that shaping up? Because the loss of Stones is is huge, isn't it? And if Kovacic is unavailable, it, it kind of adds another dilemma there into into what what what. Guardiola does I, I guess it would be Rodri and Bernardo in, in midfield he seems to like that combination for for these big games doesn't he yeah it's it's difficult I was um, I was on another podcast and I don't know if I'm allowed to say that but um, so no, we've been told no you can't mention it so we'll have to edit that bit out <laughs> and you know the um, the guest that I was on with was sort of talking about the 4-4 at Chelsea and you know my view of that game had been like you know when's the last time Diaz played that poorly or Rodri played that poorly like they will be better and and you know this other guest was kind of like well it was more a product of the system that City played trying to push a kanji up and things like that that like caused those bad performances so therefore if they try and play like that again you will get those bad performances again because they're it wasn't like individuals having an off day it was individuals like not being able to cope with the system so obviously stones is a huge miss for city so perhaps really got to think about does he push a kanji up because a kanji is the only real one who can do it because he doesn't really like ake doing it and gradiel has not been there long enough so does he start diaz and a kanji again and have a kanji pushing up alongside rodri um, when you know 
he'd already abandoned that in the second half against Chelsea. Or, like you say, does he bring Bernardo in and does he sort of... I mean, Lewis is a wild card. Yeah. Like, Lewis could potentially be involved, but then Kyle Walker's starting, so you've got to play Lewis in midfield rather than in defence. So, um, yeah, I think Bernardo is the easiest option. Um, but then Bernardo on the left has also been very effective, certainly against United, but also a bit against Chelsea. So you maybe don't want to lose that, especially against a Liverpool who there might be a bit of space at their, you know, where Trent Alexander-Arnold occasionally isn't. Yeah. I mean, Liverpool are, especially against City, a great transition counter-attacking team and the you know the amount of space that City afforded Chelsea at, at Stamford Bridge was incredible, really, wasn't it? And it? In a way, it shows how important John Stones has become to this team. And it, it, the the absence of Rodri for those three games earlier the season, those three defeats, that was made worse because John Stones wasn't there. If John Stones was there, you wonder whether they'd have lost all of those games. I think the, the fact that both were unavailable is disastrous, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, Rodri is one of the best players in the world who would get into any team in the world. So is John Stones. Like, we've seen it this season. City are a much, much better team when John Stones plays. Um, and I can't remember what... Oh, it was the game he got injured, wasn't it? Um, was it a Champions League game? Stones. Yeah, young boys? Young boys, yeah. When he, he played instead of Rodri and looked like really, really good in the first half and it was like yeah yeah well Stones can do whatever Rodri can and then he was injured and it was like oh right uh, we're not that uh, not that well placed to cope without John Stones so you know they they will be fine but it's st not having Stones causes issues in defence and midfield because of how well he plays and arguably attack with those runs that he makes kind yeah. of into the final third now and, yeah. and occupies defenders yeah it makes it makes the whole team worse not having him so it, it's going to be a big miss and you know in the same way that Pep sort of tried to replace Rodri while he was suspended and didn't have much success with that it's going to be interesting having sort of tried against Chelsea and ended up in a 4-4 which is you know I think it's three years, over three years since they last conceded four. So um, it's going to be interesting to see if he sort of sticks with the same personnel and thinks, no, that was a, a bit of a one-off against Chelsea or whether he, he rethinks it. Yeah, it, it, it is going to be interesting. It felt that Chelsea game, picking Doku for that game, it, it kind of felt like he almost lent into the chaos that he thought, I don't, I don't think we can control this game, so let's just take them on at their own game in a way. Um and it made for an incredibly entertaining spectacle, unless your laptop broke at half-time or <laughs> someone poured coffee all over it in the press box when it made for a very stressful spectacle as well. Um, but it, it was an incredible game, an incredibly enjoyable game. But you wonder how much Guardiola enjoyed it. He might have been the only person in that stage who didn't really enjoy it. And in that case, will he lead into the chaos again today, uh, tomorrow? Because... Liverpool can probably bring even more chaos to that game than Chelsea can. It's really interesting and it's really quite nice because, you know, Doku settling so well and so quickly um, has kind of... And Grealish performing means that you've got two really good players but completely different players, completely different options. It really is kind of which way do you want to go. Um, and Liverpool makes it even more kind of tantalising because you've got this, like you say, this great attacking team 
but also a team whose right back has known defensive deficiencies and who has started copying John Stones and Rodri and pushing up into midfield. So you've got Jeremy Doku, who you sort of think, well, just let him play up high and he'll get all the space he needs to run at the Liverpool centre-backs. But it still feels more Guardiola to pick Grealish and have that extra bit of control if they need it. Yeah, I mean, it's probably a simplistic way to look at it tactically, but... I guess you could look at Grealish there. He cuts back inside, takes another touch, and it gives Alexander-Arnold time to get back. If City win the ball when Alexander-Arnold's in midfield and give it to Doku, then immediately it, it sounds like problems, doesn't it, for Liverpool? It does, but then if Doku loses the ball and Liverpool then attack and Alexander-Arnold's up already, then um, it, it's advantage to Liverpool. So it's, <laughs> it, it is, it's really interesting and sort of, you know, that could well decide the game, Who you know, that one selection call um, and yeah I mean if, I don't know it feels like it maybe is too much to just say it. these two players are completely different um, in a team we see where the performance isn't going to vary too much but they've just become these sort of poster boys for control versus chaos which do you want from from City and it's been interesting how much Guardiola has already lent into Doku Um and yeah, maybe it, it was a surprise to see him start against Chelsea, I thought, because Grealish had played so well at United and it was like, you you would thought he would have been backed for another big game. Um, I didn't think Doku was amazing against Chelsea. Um, I thought Grealish was okay. I thought he was decent, but then I think someone said, well, he was, but they conceded two goals while he was on the pitch. So how good was he? Um and it's does it being at home make a difference? You know, uh, Doku got a, a goal and four assists last time he was out. Like, does that sort of City's record at home and their strength at home sort of convince Guardiola to start Doku as sort of the more offensive option? Um, it's it's going to be really interesting. It's one of the great storylines of the season in a way, for us especially, isn't it? Because it does, it is such a contrast between the two players and between almost these competing ideals in, in Guardiola's head. It's, you know, it's, it's almost like he's rolling back the years with Doku, isn't it? You know, it's, it, it's such a great narrative for us. Yeah. And in a way for, for City fans as well. I mean, you know, some of them are less interested in the sort of nuances and the tactical side of it. But it is fascinating to see these impulses with Guardiola, the, the want for control but the desire to just let Doku run free and, and do something different. Yeah, and, it, you know, Guardiola has had to evolve every year to stay at the top of the game, as Jurgen Klopp has. Um, but, you know, these sort of... He still has his principles and he's always possession football, even if, you know, he, he kind of railed against the description of as, like, tiki-taka. He didn't like that phrase, but... Um, you have to keep evolving, but Guardiola is known as possession football control. You know, there was a, an article the other day saying, you know, Guardiola has ruined brilliant goals. No one scores any brilliant goals anymore because of Guardiola. And it, it's, it's nice to see how the manager is still adapting and is willing to make these really radical switches in in bringing a player like Doku in and and accepting that it will change 
change the team rather than changing the player. Mm. It's, you know, he, I mean, he's picked it a few times now, that, that front four combo of Foden, Alvarez, Doku, Haaland. I mean, 18 months ago, it is impossible to imagine him picking a front four like that. Even 12, maybe six months ago, you cannot imagine him picking that front four and being comfortable watching it and happy to send it out on the pitch, can you? Yeah, and, you know, arguably, well, I mean, they, they won the treble because they had four big defenders at the back and they also had Grealish and Bernardo on the wings who were harrying defenders and keeping the ball for City and making sure that the opposition couldn't do anything with it, couldn't get the ball and would lose it in dangerous areas of the pitch. Like, that is completely removed from this front four, really. Um, so it'll be interesting to see whether sort of it that this sticks through the season. Um, but it really is quite striking that so soon after winning the treble, there's been quite a quite a big change in City's approach. Yeah, it, like I say, it will be interesting how long it, it lasts. You can imagine getting to February and March and Doku is on the bench and Foden is on the bench and Alvarez is on the bench and it's it's back to that level of control. Yeah, and, and maybe, but also the longer they have these opportunities in the team, the more they can keep going and and show that they um, can, can stay in the team. And, you know, certainly Alvarez is one of those who you think it'll be very difficult to see him out of the team now um, until Kevin De Bruyne comes back at the very least. But it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's an exciting front line. And, you know, I think you look at that front line and you think there's there's no way City aren't scoring today. And if they score, they tend to win. Yeah, absolutely. Unless Chelsea score four. Uh, that is all for part one of the Talking City podcast. We'll be back after the break to have a bit more Liverpool chat. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Welcome back to the Talking City podcast. Uh, Liverpool then... I mean, their record at the Etihad probably described Esther's not great. One win <laughs> since November 2015, I think. Yeah. That was in the Champions League, which was kind of a, a you know a one-off game in a way. It was, it was a different narrative on it because City had to go for it and had to chase it. It wasn't a game that started at 0-0. Yes. It started at 0-3. And arguably, if... If that goal stands. If that goal stands and Pep doesn't get sent off, then City probably win the game. Yeah, arguably win the tie. I don't think you're allowed to say that. No, no. <laughs> I don't think we get many listeners from Liverpool side. So oh no, yeah, it's say. fine. It's fine. Unless this clip goes viral on social media. Yeah, yeah. No, um, City have battered Liverpool at home. Really, there's no <laughs> other, no other way of sort of uh, putting it. They've they've comfortably won on a number of occasions. Even like the two two last year, were City should have won eight two. Really, Liverpool were were chasing their tails for most of the game and sort of. City came away from that thinking we've we've dropped two points. I think Pep said something afterwards like we missed a chance to kill them off. Um, City do very very well. Uh, oh, it was two years ago, wasn't it? Two years ago. La- see, last year they didn't have Haaland and still won four one. Yeah. So, yeah, it it makes it harder for Liverpool really. You know, in the same way that City don't really enjoy going to Anfield. Liverpool can't enjoy coming to City because every time they come here, they they don't do very well and they get stretched and pulled about and sort of made to suffer for 90 minutes. So I think it is home advantage for... Well, both teams enjoy strong home advantage against the other one. And just as... I think if this game was at Anfield tomorrow, then Liverpool would be possibly favourites for it. Um, but because it's at the Etihad City are, are strong favourites yeah I mean Liverpool were obviously having a poor season last year they scored first in that 4-1 and you would think the way they play at the Etihad scoring the first goal is is manna from heaven for them and they still lost 4-1 and even at 1-0 I don't think any of us thought realistically they were going to win that game I mean it's you know we've been having a discussion because with the Talking City podcast in the first section about what City do tactically but arguably the bigger issue is what Liverpool do tactically isn't it because the way they play coming to City they, they should like those open spaces but it, it never seems to work for them and what they do when they come here just doesn't work does it? it? It feels like Liverpool need to keep the game tight to beat City um, and that isn't necessarily the way they like to play um, you know if you if you think of like the Champions League win at Anfield in 2018 where they just sort of blew City away in half an hour or the the league game the year after they, they blitzed them, which was sort of exactly what they like to do. Um, but other than that, it's been very tight. Like the 1-0 at Anfield last year um, was a very sort of picky game where both teams were kind of cancelling each 
each other out and there weren't many chances. It feels like the more chances there are in a game, the more it lends itself towards City taking at least one or two and then they're very difficult to beat. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the, the Premier League table has got a pretty familiar look after 12 games, City first, Liverpool second, mm. one point between the two. I mean, it's it's very early days still, but what have you made of Liverpool and, and how do you see this season shaping up? Is this going to be another epic City-Liverpool title race? I think it could be, yeah. Um, I said at the start of the season, I thought Liverpool would be the closest to City, sort of rather than Arsenal. And I think what we've seen so far backs that up. Um, Liverpool have been very good, much better than last season. I think they've still got issues with their defence from last year. They're not really keeping many clean sheets, but but nobody really is keeping many clean sheets. You know, City conceded four <laughs> a few weeks ago. So um, the every, every team has those those issues but you know Liverpool needed to sort of the midfield and they didn't last season and it cost them and this summer they've brought in new midfielders and it and it seems to be working and there are you know still still question marks over Darwin Nunes over whether he is ever going to reach the sort of level of consistency and quality that has been threatened for so long but has never come but um, you know, Salah is always a danger and there there is enough threat in that attack to worry City. Um, and they, they just, they look much more like the Klopp team of a few years ago that are picking up results and know how to win games and know how to see games out. And even, you know, they, they drew at Luton, didn't they, with sort of a last gasp injury time uh, equaliser. And you sort of think last season they probably would have lost that. And it probably would have been uh, a, a bit of a deflation for them. Whereas, as much as they, you know, they they were disappointed to get a point, they got a point, and they were mature enough to say, "Yeah, we didn't play well enough to win. Move on to the next one." Um, so they have been. I've been very impressed with them, and I think they will be up there. Where, where do you think the pressure lies going into this game? Mm. You know, we mentioned City's home record against Liverpool. In a way, I guess if Liverpool lose, as long as they don't get battered, they could maybe say, "Well, we always lose there. It's we will beat yeah. them at Anfield." Is does that make it more important that City win tomorrow, even though they win this game pretty much every year? I think it is important that City win tomorrow. Um, I think if you think back to last season, um, the you know City beat United six three, they beat Arsenal four one. They beat Chelsea, they beat Liverpool, um, they beat Tottenham. You know, that's five wins against the the rest of the big six at home. And then they lost to Tottenham away, they lost to United away, they lost to Liverpool away. Um, I can't remember the other results, but, you know, winning your home games against those big teams is so important if you want to win the league. And they have, you know, we've already seen them sort of lose a few games on their travels, whereas the home run is... Ex- it's 24 now? Uh, it's 23, 23, so 24, 24 if they win tomorrow. Every home game this year. Yeah, um, oh, which is, yeah, extraordinary. And it, it just, like you say, the expectation is that City will win. But because of that, Liverpool will be absolutely delighted with a point, yeah. knowing that City still have to go to Anfield. Um, I think you always want to be sort of at least 
equal with those kind of teams around you. And we know how important it was last season, City picking up six points off Arsenal. So if City can win tomorrow, it will be kind of expected, but it was, will also be sort of a big statement for them to say, yes, we are looking to win the league again this year and we're able to beat the best teams. Yeah, absolutely. And the kickoff time, 12.30, first game on a Saturday. I don't know if you're aware, but Jurgen Klopp doesn't like 12.30s on Saturdays. He doesn't mention it a lot. Tends to keep it to himself. So it, might, it might have passed you by, Si. Um, it's, you know, as, as much as we're taking the mick and he does moan about it a lot, it's, you know, first game back after an international break when, you know, I mean, Edison didn't go away this time, so it's less of an issue for City maybe when, when we both normally have players in South American qualifying, both only really started training on Thursday. They're going to have what, you know, to 12th they kick off one and a half sessions, maybe yeah. preparing for this game. It's you know it's 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 not great, is it, for the the product of the Premier League that it's that it's an early it's the it's the twelve thirty after an. No, it's not, and I can understand the frustrations. Um, all I would say, which neither manager will probably enjoy is that it's been moved from 5.30 to 12.30 because it couldn't be moved to the Sunday because City are playing in Europe on Tuesday night, so fine. But they couldn't play it at 5.30 on Saturday because of police concerns. And there are police concerns because at every recent game between the two clubs, there has been trouble. Yeah. Sky don't want to be broadcasting this game at half past 12. They want it at 5.30 because it's their slot, but they've been forced to play it at 12.30 because there's so much has happened between the two clubs that it's not been allowed to be played at 5.30, basically. So if a small section of Liverpool fans and City fans had behaved better, maybe the game would be at 5.30 and we would see a better product for yeah, the Premier League. Better atmosphere, yeah. probably. I can completely understand the frustrations of the managers, but at the same time, it's a bit self-inflicted from the clubs because it's sort of in, in part a response to the um, the behaviour of the supporters. Yeah, and, and that brings us on to, to the last point, I guess, something that hopefully we won't be talking about on Monday. Um, both clubs have, have written to supporters attending the games again, asking for... Better behaviour, basically. No no tragedy chanting, um, I think mentioned to the City fans, no missile throwing from Liverpool fans. I mean, it, like you say, it, it is basically every game at the moment that, that something like this is happening, that both sets of fans are being called out for their actions and it's it's got to stop, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. And, you know, in a similar way, you know, there were a, a few City fans singing... Uh, you know, unacceptable chance about Bobby Charlton when his death was announced, and obviously there was there was coverage of that because of it, and there was a lot of coverage because it was sort of the week up to the derby, and you know, quite a few City fans were saying, you know, why are the actions of a few idiots, you know, being made to, made out like it's sort of the whole fan base or or whatever, and it's just like a few idiots can spoil it for everyone. And if there are issues on Saturday, then a lot of the post-match coverage is going to be about club statements and apologies rather than goals and, you know, the, the match action. Um, so it, it, 
it, it's been disappointing. Um, you know, the the October game last year was was really quite nasty um, at Anfield, and then that was when I think the the two supporter clubs met ahead of the FA Cup game in uh, the Carabao Cup game to talk about you know everything will be better, and then it just got worse. So yeah, no, we don't like we don't like writing about these things, and nobody likes to hear it at games. So it. If if fans want um, to, um, you know, if they want a good game and maybe a 5.30 game in future years, um, they just have to all behave, basically. Yeah, that sounds like a good message from Chief Constable Bykowski. There. <laughs> uh, hopefully come 3pm on Saturday, we will be talking solely about the football. Uh, that is all for now on this edition of the Talking City podcast. We'll be back early next week to dissect the Liverpool game and hopefully just the action on the pitch but for now thank you Simon thanks and that is all we'll speak to you again next week 